we're going to more or less continue along the line we've been uh, we've been pursuing over the past uh, uh, what uh, three or four weeks now, and that is uh, the power of God under salvation. You know, uh, God's great p plan and purpose for the human race is to, is of course salvation, but there is also. Uh, wonderful benefits this side of the kingdom of God. A salvation of a person's soul is something that happens to them in this life. Uh, many folk uh, have a, a thought that they're going to uh, get saved when they die. If they leave it till then, they will have left it too late. Salvation is something that we have to receive in this life, and if we don't receive it in this life, there won't be uh, an opportunity later on. The scriptures make that very clear. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this great word, salvation, is uh, in the Greek, completeness or wholeness. Uh, we find the word in the Bible, saved, so many times. The Greek word, sozo, it is translated uh, made whole, made complete, made every whit whole, and, uh, and saved. Uh, it in some instances refers to the uh, to the healing of a, of a person's body and in another instance it it's referring to their eternal life. So that the salvation of God is an every whit whole salvation for spirit, soul and body. It is a complete work. And uh, we're going to look at some more aspects of it this afternoon. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God we're told in the Bible. And so as we hear and see more of the Word of God, our faith is going, to, uh, is going to grow or increase to an appropriating level. I've got my Bible open here at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, and we read, now, that is at this present time, that doesn't mean tomorrow or, or, or last week, now is the acceptable time. The gospel is a now gospel, as we all know. And this chapter starts off, Now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for. And so, chapter 11 of Hebrews, chapter 11. Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for. Now, when a person comes to God uh, uh, for some specific need, and after all, uh, that's why we come to God. Uh, uh, the greatest miracle of the Bible is answered prayer, I suppose. A person prays for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receives it, prays for God to meet their material or their physical need and sees God hand, uh, God's hand in their, in their life. Uh, this is a miracle. After all, uh, if we didn't expect God to answer our prayer, then we wouldn't pray. Now, we're, we're told that faith is the substance of the thing that we hope for. And it goes on and says, it is the evidencing of the thing not seen. Now, when we pray or when we come to the Lord, we've got our hope and we're asking or, or looking to the Lord to evidence the thing which we require. Now, we're going to see that God always did this miraculously. By his, uh, by his supernatural power. Last week we were talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus of the Bible as distinct from the Jesus of religion. The Bible tells us there are two Jesus. There is the Jesus of, the, of religion and warns us that if he that comes preaches another Jesus, Paul said, uh, whom he had not preached and uh, warns us also of the fact that there is another gospel, one without the, the power of God. But we see that the Jesus of the Bible, Jesus of Nazareth, was a miracle worker. It said in the Old Testament he would be, and that's how they recognised the Messiah, uh, those who did in, those in that day. 
When the Messiah comes, will he do more miracles than this, they said. We read how uh, Jesus um, uh, turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And it says, hereby glorified God. Uh, this beginning of miracles did Jesus. And glorified God and his disciples believed on him. And from here on, we find he was uh, demonstrating the power of God. So to us, the Bible tells us Christ is the power of God. The power of God to them that are saved and the power of God unto salvation to them that are not. And so we see the hearing of these things materialises God's will and purpose as we believe it. Now, we're told to be doers of the word and not hearers only. There is a doing. When we hear the word, God judges our faith by what we do. We, uh, he will meet us if we will come towards him. The scriptures tell us, uh, uh, any man who comes unto me I shall in no wise cast out. It's too, too many of us are inclined to sit back and, uh, and expect or wait or I don't know why, why uh, but uh, well I'll put it this way. We, they want God to do all sorts of things for them but they're not prepared to do even one of the things that God asks them to do for him. Now, uh, this is a covenant, and a covenant is legally binding on two people. It's like marriage. Both parties say, I do. And when we want to see the power of God manifest to materialise uh, uh, or evidence a thing which is not seen, as we see here in Hebrews, we have to fulfil our part of the covenant, and it will be automatic. If we will do what he asks us to do, then he said he will do what he said he will do, and it's as simple as that. And so the scripture goes on and says how in verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now we don't now have to know how God's going to do it. Things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. In other words, I don't care how impossible it is, the more impossible it is, the Bible says the greater glory to God. He specialises in impossibles. Jesus said all things are possible to God and with God nothing is impossible he said only believe and then said all things are possible to them that believe why doubtest thou we see here that God calls things out of nothing I've seen God replace uh, uh, organs in a person's body where they were not I mentioned Madge Watson down in Geelong who had no, no eardrum in one side of her head and always used to turn her, her, her face side on uh, when she used to speak to you. And how that God uh, uh, miraculously and instantaneously replaced an eardrum and, uh, and she could hear perfectly out of both sides. And so these are the sort of things. These are the sort of miracles which we're becoming familiar with today as God... Uh, 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 actually calls those things which were not as though they are as we read in another place things which are seen are not made of things which do appear he can produce something out of nothing and so the scripture tells us uh, verse 6 without faith it is impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him now the point is uh, our faith is demonstrated by what we do when we hear the word of God. Now, if we don't do anything, this is not pleasing to God. It, uh, most people tell me, you know, when I'm speaking to them, oh, but Brother Clay, I've got plenty of faith. 
You see, all you need, you don't need plenty. All you need is a bit, little bit of faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, Jesus said. That's all you need. Obedience is also required. And this is another aspect of the, uh, of the, uh, of the, of the gospel story. It is, in other words, demonstrating our faith by our works because we're told faith without works is dead. Now, I'm not talking about good works which people think they're going to justify themselves to God by. We know that uh, there's a reward for our good works, but we can never justify healing or salvation by our works. The scriptures make, make this very clear because the, they, uh, the, uh, the Bible tells us there are none righteous, no, not one. All have fallen and come short of the glory of God. The scriptures make that very clear and say not by works, lest any should boast, but by the blood of the everlasting covenant. And so we're looking to the blood that Jesus shed and the stripes that he bore, the everlasting covenant to materialize the, uh, uh, the, the miracle of healing in the person who's looking for it or looking to God to do it. What is required? God says without faith it's impossible to please him. That means he expects us to act when he says, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. That's what it means. Without, if we're not prepared to do that, then we're not pleasing to God. God said uh, to, to Moses, See, said he, that you do all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. We find that uh, when he was dealing with Noah, it says, uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Yes, so has every, every citizen today found grace in the eyes of God because of the atonement that was made on their behalf 2,000 years ago by Jesus on Calvary. But Noah still had to do something. And we read, thus did Noah all that God commanded him, so did he. Because he'd found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he went ahead and, uh, and did what the Lord told him to do. And it meant his salvation and his families. Now, we are told to do specific things likewise. If we, want to, if we want to see God's mighty hand uh, uh, move in our affairs. And so, uh, so much, so much uh, we see here, uh, a whole chapter here on faith. But I think we'll turn back to Matthew 13 and verse 15. Now, just briefly as we, uh, as we look here into the gospel. In Matthew 13 and uh, uh, verse... Uh, uh, well, so in 13, oh, but we'll, read from, we'll read from verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross or heavy, and their ears are dull of hearing. In other words, the penny doesn't drop sometimes. When you're talking to folk about the significance of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, uh, they are immediately... Uh, countering what the word of God is saying by their preconceived ideas. If they can't understand a thing, then they, uh, uh, then they don't think it's necessary. We're not called to understand God, we're called to obey. And so we find that no promise of God is outside of Christ and no promise of God is outside of repentance. This is very clear in the Bible. And so he was referring to a people whose hearts is whack gross and their ears were dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. 
And so Jesus said, should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Here we find that healing is part of the gospel. It's part of conversion. It's part of salvation. And, uh, and a person who is prepared, uh, first of all, uh, to give themselves to the Lord uh, and, uh, and get saved the Bible way, this is automatically uh, their inheritance. The Bible uh, very specifically declares that healing is the children's bread. Jesus said that. Healing is the children's bread, he said. Once we've become the children of the Lord, then we have a legal and just claim on God because the Bible tells us that Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses 2,000 years ago on the cross. And all that is being fulfilled is the fulfillment of uh, Isaiah 53. Uh, thus it is fulfilled as was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, we read, by his stripes ye were healed. These scriptures automatically shall come upon you and overtake you. This was the promise that God made in De Deuteronomy 28. A whole uh, uh, pre-prepared uh, pre plan of God automatically drops into place as we uh, ourselves move into our place. It is a pattern. And so uh, it's not hard. It's very simple. It, uh, it's so simple that a child can understand it. And so conversion. Uh, associated with healing. This is what Jesus said. And this is, this, is, uh, this is not works. This is not a gospel of works. This is, uh, this is the plan and purpose of God. It is by the grace of God. And so we, uh, we just see the same sort of thing. John chapter 13 and verse 8. We just look at a few of these, uh, these instances as we go through. John chapter 13 and, and uh, verse 8. We, read, uh, we won't read the whole story here, but uh, we'll just take a verse. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. You know, sometimes uh, I'm talking to folk and they have a need. And when you tell them that it's necessary for them to be baptised into the body of Christ, baptised in water, baptised in the Holy Ghost, we are baptised by one spirit into one body. When, uh, in other words, when you tell them how necessary it is for them to submit themselves to the ministry of the Lord for the salvation of their soul, they immediately want to argue the point with you and they object. They, uh, they possibly are adherents of some denominational religion which has only come into existence over the last couple of hundred years and doesn't believe all the Bible. Now, as you meet, so shall it be meted unto you. You meet half and you'll get half. You meet all and you'll get all. Go back 2,000 years, my friends, and take it right from the, right from the beginning. Are you or are you not going to allow the Lord to minister to you? Yes, people want the Lord to heal them, but they're not prepared to let, the, let him fill them with the Holy Ghost, nor will they let him minister to them in the waters of baptism. I understand there's been over a, over a hundred odd, 120 odd people baptised in this hall since Christmas. And I've heard a lot of them coming up out of the water behind me here, speaking in other tongues. 
They have allowed the Lord to minister to their soul. And this was the plan and purpose of God, to save man's soul. That came first. Jesus used his miracles of healing because they knew they had a need of healing. Maybe they didn't know they had a need of salvation. So the signs and wonders drew the people to the gospel. It was the power of God that drew the people to their salvation. But so far as God is concerned, the most important thing is the salvation of your soul. The most important thing is you coming to the Lord and he will look after the, uh, the bits and pieces. We don't look so much for the healing as the healer. That's whom we want. Now, Peter here uh, wouldn't allow at this stage Jesus to wash his feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if you won't allow me to minister to you, then you can't have any, any part in me. And my friends, when people uh, uh, renege at water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've got no confidence uh, uh, that, that God will do for them the things that he said he will do for those who do or those who will. Now, I can't help it, but this is the way it's written. When a person says, does Jesus want me to do that? I'll go all the way with him. You can promise them the sky and you know they'll get it. That's how, that's how, assurance, uh, that's how assured you can be. Way back uh, uh, in Exodus 12, we see here the same thing. Back in the, uh, we go back to the, to the type in the Old Testament here of the uh, deliverance of uh, uh, Israel from Egypt. Exodus uh, chapter 12, and, uh, uh, and we see here uh, just uh, in type uh, the atonement for our sin. Jesus of Nazareth, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. And, the Lord, and, and uh, verse 1, the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first of the year to you. Speak you unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month uh, you shall take to him every man a lamb, according to the house of your father, a lamb for a house. And so this lamb that they took, this sacrificial animal, was a type of Christ who became the Lamb of God. And verse 5 says, How your lamb shall be without blemish a male. Uh, as I said, it's a, it's, it's a type of Jesus. And the, and the end of verse 6 says, How Israel will kill it in the evening. And they took Jesus out, and of course they crucified him in the evening and hung him on the cross out there uh, 2,000 years ago outside the walls of Jerusalem. And you shall eat the flesh, says verse 8. Uh, Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us, the Bible tells us. And, uh, and the flesh, uh, of course, now Jesus said, uh, he has given his, uh, his flesh and his blood to us to partake of. And these elements which we partake of on a Sunday are the elements which represent the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we read in verse 13, the blood shall be to you for a token. Uh, up, uh, upon your house where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you you know this didn't finish there in Egypt what did God say have you got a problem in your home a physical problem God said here there has been a covenant made and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. 
And then it goes on, uh, and this day shall be unto you a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. In other words, my friends, the words that God is speaking here are vital and alive today to fulfil his plan and purpose. No plague shall come nigh thy dwelling, we read in the Psalms. This is a, this is a covenant that God made to deliver us and, our, and ours from the curse. And so it goes on. Uh, uh, here, uh, a lot of detail here, a lot we could uh, we could talk about, but uh, I think where verse 24 says, and you shall keep this thing as an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. So we keep it as an ordinance. We're having a communion service this afternoon and we're keeping this thing as an ordinance because we know what God had in mind when Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago on our behalf and we're commemorating it. Right, God has said he will deliver our house from the plague. As we, as we, my friend, uh, avail ourselves of his salvation. Because to be under the blood, you see, as we read in verse 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop and you shall dip it in the blood which is in the basin and strike it on the lintels of the doorposts and the cider that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. You've got to come in under the blood and you've got to stay there until the morning dawns when Jesus returns to this earth. If you're not under the blood, if you haven't entered into this covenant, then, uh, my friends, you've still got some place to go. So these things are made very specific in their types. And uh, uh, even in the Psalms, as we go through, and Psalms, of course, the Psalms are prophecies concerning the gospel age. We see here in Psalm, uh, Psalm 103 how necessary it is first to get our own house in order, repent, be baptised and receive the Holy Ghost so that we too fit into this type and become part of this uh, uh, pattern, as God said. And so we see in Psalm 103, these words, we'll start from verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now we've just been reading about the benefits of the covenant back there in Exodus, when he led the children of uh, uh, Israel out of bondage to, Egyptian, to the Egyptians, and he leads us out of bondage to joy unspeakable and full of glory, the gospel to the new creation. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities and heals all thy diseases. So we find that that, that uh, part and parcel of having our, our iniquities forgiven is the, the healing of our diseases. Why? Because God said so. This is why I'm exhorting any who haven't yet been baptised or received the Holy Ghost to do so today. Because if you enter into a covenant with God this way, it is legally binding on God. He has said so. He has said that that's the way he wants it. Legally binding on him. Once you've done what he asks you to do, then he said he will do what he said he will do. Now, uh, once we've done that, we can say, well, Lord, uh, I fulfilled all that you require of me. Repent, be baptised, and receive the Holy Ghost. What does repent mean? It means change your mind, that's all. 
Change your mind. If there's anything in your mind which has prevented you from doing this in the past, then repent means change it and come into covenant relationship with God. Because, he said, he forgives all your iniquities, that's our salvation, and heals all your diseases. Who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is the psalm uh, that I think we've, uh, we've looked at before. Verse 18 says, To such as keep his covenant. Now, who was this written to? Who can claim this this afternoon? I'll tell you who can claim it. Such as has kept his covenant and have done this. And if there may be some here who haven't been baptised and haven't received the Holy Ghost, enter into this covenant. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. To such as keep his covenant and those that remember his commandments to do them. You know, you may not understand why. Uh, the fact is, uh, why these things are necessary. Look at verse 11. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is, the mercy, is, is God's mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Father in heaven pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are as the grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And the place where uh, uh, therefore shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And, uh, and his righteousness unto children's children. In other words, although this is written in the Psalms, we're told that every generation God has made this covenant with. Children's children. God will meet their, need, their, their needs on the basis of the fact that he has covenanted and has promised. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, said God. Maybe we don't understand why it's necessary to be baptised. Maybe we don't understand why it's necessary to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. You will after you've done that. But before none of us did, why did we then? We did it simply because God asked us to. That's why. And, and that was all he required to, uh, uh, to complete the covenant. So these, these promises are to such as keep his covenant. And we saw, of course, back there in Exodus, just what the covenant was. So he forgives and he heals. Now, as I said, faith without works is dead. Now, <clears throat> faith with, in other words, uh, yes, faith comes by hearing, but we've got to act upon what we hear because we're told uh, that uh, about the man uh, who looked in a mirror and he went away and forgot what manner of man he was uh, uh, you know faith without works if we don't uh, if we don't act uh, according to what God says we are and can be in him and just sit back and don't do anything about it then it's dead now faith is very uh, is very vital and and very much alive Faith is the means whereby, uh, apart from the fact that God gives it to us when we receive the Holy Ghost, but even faith in a natural man can bring to pass the power of God into a man's life. Jesus is the author and the finisher of it. In other words, uh, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, uh, and we're told, not only is Jesus the author and the finisher of it, but we're told the just shall live by it. 
the just, the justified, are going to live by this thing that Jesus is the author and finisher of. What is it then? It's the power of God. Faith and the power of God are inseparable. You know, we're told that Christ is the power of God. And so what uh, uh, the, 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 the action that you may, m might make this afternoon, if it's for salvation or if it's for healing, the fact that you make the move, you are demonstrating your faith and it means to you the power of God to meet your need. We'll go to the New Testament. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 5 and we'll see some of these things. 1 Corinthians and, uh, and chapter 2 and verse 5. Now, well, verse 4 actually, uh, here we see uh, uh, Paul is saying, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't produce the power of God is not the faith of the Bible. You know, when people say they have plenty of faith, what they mean is they have an intellectual understanding of the doctrine of the Bible. But faith, faith is a vital, live thing which springs from a person's heart. We don't get saved with our head, we get saved with our heart. We're told with the heart man believes unto salvation. Oh yes, he hears the message with his head, but his heart does something about it. Some have never let the message go from their head down into their heart, and yet they'll talk about faith. All they've got is theology. And in most cases, they're, they're definitely not even saved because Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and do the things that I say. But these people usually want to argue the point about the very things that Jesus has said, particularly as it applies to water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So Paul said here that his preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but he demonstrated the spirit and the power of God that their faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So uh, this, uh, this uh, was necessary, uh, uh, very necessary, because Jesus had trouble with the religious teachers of his day. Let's turn back to, uh, uh, to Mark 12 and we'll see the same sort of troubles are being had today. Mark chapter 12 and, uh, and verse 24. Uh, of course, uh, we're told here uh, the trouble Jesus was having with the Pharisees. And uh, verse 24 says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scripture, neither the power of God? Now, the reason why a person doesn't know the power of God is because they know not the Scripture. One hinges on the other. These theologians of Jesus' day, they, uh, uh, they were uh, professional religionists. They had plenty of talk. Uh, they knew the law and all that sort of thing, but they couldn't bring deliverance to the people. That's why Paul said his preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but he came demonstrating the power of God, that the faith of those who heard him would not stand in the wisdom of men, theology, creeds, rituals,
doctrines and man-made traditions, but in a powerful experience that come face to face with the living Christ. And so this was, this was what Jesus said to the Pharisees in his day. You were, because you know not the scripture, neither the power of God. And it's the very thing we're told shall happen in the last days. They'll have a form of godliness and they will deny the power thereof. From such turn away, we read in 2 Timothy 3. These are the very things that we're confronted with today. And most folk who've come out of these situations are actually leavened by them. They make provision in their thinking all the time for something different to what the Bible has said. Something different to what God has promised. So when we go back here to Corinthians and we turn over again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this time, we see here Paul is still... Uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, delivering the gospel to the, uh, 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 to the people in those days, to the Corinthian church, he's still emphasising this fact. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Uh, so we find this, this theme going right through. As a matter of fact, we, uh, uh, we saw that uh, we were looking at this uh, very th thing last Sunday, weren't we? Uh, God demonstrates his will by his power. Who teaches like him, we read in Job, and such things in the Psalms. It was always God's will to demonstrate his power. And so the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And we find Jesus when preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all who were sick and afflicted of the devil uh, and so on, demonstrating the power of God, meeting the needs of the people. And so, uh, so the whole story from start to finish here, uh, the salvation of the Bible is not a religion. It's, a, it's an experience. It's the power of God. I want to talk uh, uh, this afternoon just briefly on a story in Luke 5. We'll just run through it. In Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we see here uh, where uh, uh, Jesus now, we read down verse 15. But so much the more went there the fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what means they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling and let his couch down into the midst uh, uh, before uh, Jesus. This is as they lifted off the roof. They let, they let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now this man wanted healing, didn't he? 
And now Jesus says, thy sins are forgiven thee. We'll just have a look at some of the aspects of this story this afternoon and we'll see if we can put ourselves into the picture. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he entering said unto them, What why reason in your hearts whether it is easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath the power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he arose up before them. And he took up whereon he lay, and departed into his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Now when we see, we look at this story, we find back in verse 15, the great, great multitudes came together to, be, to hear and to be healed. They came to Jesus. They didn't go to church or they didn't, uh, uh, they didn't sit home and read books. They came to Jesus and to come to Jesus means that you've got to make the first move and this is what I was saying before. I would, said the, says the Bible, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, says the rest of the verse. So you've got to make your soul prosper first and then the word of God says, I would that you prosper and be in health. So they've got to come to Jesus first. Now they came to Jesus. And so, uh, 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 one, as I said, one must come to Jesus. Some actually substitute an intellectual belief in the doctrine of divine healing uh, for simple faith. Others are looking to the preacher or someone or other. Jesus is the great physician, the Bible tells us. Our move is to him first. And it came to pass... On a certain day, says verse 17, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which will come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of God was present to heal them. The power of God was present because Jesus was there. Now, wherever Jesus is, the power of God is. For Christ is the power of God, we read in Corinthians and in Romans. Wherever he is, there is the power of God. That's why we have to come to him. And do you know what coming to him means? Repent and be baptised and receive the Holy Ghost. An intellectual approach is no good. With the heart man believes. And we're told faith without works is dead. If we believe, we're going to act. And so we're told to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. So we deceive ourselves so very often by not doing our part in this covenant. Yes, the power of God was there because Jesus was there. And behold, they brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not uh, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. Now, we find here that the way to God's presence or the way to God's power was blocked by a human blockade, by the multitude. Very often, the human blockade is in our thinking. We can't get to Jesus very often because of all our friends and relatives and what they might say. 
We can't get to Jesus because there's a lot of people between us and him. Maybe they're, uh, they're our uh, church associates or something or other. But, uh, but however, we're not getting what we want from Jesus in that place. And we've got to get past that place to get to him. That's what this story's all about. I was in the Methodist church for years. Then I was classified as incurable by the medical profession. If I hadn't have got out of the Methodist church, I'd be dead now. I got a certificate to prove it. Yes, I had to get to Jesus. And, and my friends, these are the decisions that we have to make because they don't preach it or believe it in those places. And so we see here, they had to get, to, they had to get past this. They knew that with God nothing was impossible. So they went up on the housetop and they let him down through the tiling. What an unorthodox approach. This is the very thing which stops a lot of people from coming to Jesus because they're so set in their ways. They're so, they, they, they are so bound and conforming into, to the traditions of their generation that they're not prepared to do anything unorthodox. Fancy getting baptised in water and getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Who ever heard of that? I'll tell you who ever heard of that. Everybody that ever got saved. Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. That's what the Bible calls believers. Of course, the world doesn't, but that's what the Bible calls believers. And he said, and they shall lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall recover. Now, Jesus said that. They went and preached that. And the word says, the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. And so we see here, they were determined to get to Jesus. They hadn't heard the gospel of no miracles today. They hadn't heard the gospel of these things are, not for, uh, are only for some and not for others. They had only heard about the Jesus of the Bible. They hadn't heard about all these uh, defeatist, pessimistic religions because they weren't invented then. These religions that have come to light in the last couple of hundred years that are not meeting the needs of the people. And so... Uh, yes, they're, they're, uh, uh, they, they, got, uh, uh, they broke through convention, didn't they? They came through the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, now when a person acts, when a person, uh, why was I healed? I'll tell you why I was healed. Because Jesus paid the debt 2,000 years ago to make it possible. Uh, the scriptures make that very clear. I saw it and I believed it and I thanked him for it. And you know how you thank him for it? By doing what he says. Get baptised and receive the Holy Ghost. Because the salvation of God is an every with whole salvation for spirit, soul and body. So Jesus saw their faith because he saw their action. Every person that gets into the baptismal tank, Jesus sees their faith. Remember? Faith without works is dead, the Bible said. Then the scribes and Pharisees said, uh, these are the professional religionists. These men, uh, uh, of course, we've got them all around us today. They've got to pick fault with everything that the Lord's doing. And all they could find, the only fault they could find with Jesus was they claimed that he, blasphemed, uh, that he was speaking blasphemy. Who can forgive sins? Now, Jesus was demonstrating here that, uh, that, the, uh, that uh, sickness and disease 
is the result of the fall in the Garden of Eden. It came on, the, on Adam's race because of disobedience. It's the effect of the breaking of the law, as we read in Deuteronomy 28. And we have to be redeemed from the fall and delivered from the curse. And Jesus did both for us. So he has to deal with the sin question first. And having dealt with the sin question, the other was automatic. That's why I'm saying, my friends, and making my point this afternoon, if you want Jesus to do something for you, then you must do what he's asked you to do. This is very important. Plenty of people want the Lord to heal them, but they don't want him to save them. And the whole plan of God was the salvation of man. And so, we, so, so Jesus was demonstrating this. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said, why reason ye in your hearts whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or whether it's to say rise up and walk? Well, we know the rest of the story. Uh, uh, verse 26 says, when, And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with, with fear, saying, We have seen strange things. They glorified God. Healing glorifies God. And healing is something to be seen. It is a miracle. It is something that, it is a testimony that glorifies God. So, uh, so, so much, a lot more could be said about that. We might have some opportunity sometime later on. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll finish up here and we'll go back to the Psalms, Psalm 145, and uh, we'll just finish there with a thought from the Psalms. Psalm 145. Now in Psalm 145, and verse 10 and 11 we read, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. Who's going to talk about the power of God? The saints. The children of God are going to talk about the power of God. They're not going to make provision in their thinking for the fact that the gospel doesn't work. They're not going to argue the point with the word of God and make provision for anything less than water baptism by immersion in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For Jesus is the great baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. They're going to talk of thy power. They're not because they're going to experience the power of God. Verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Jesus said, My word is truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So those who call upon him, according to the word of the Lord, as we, as we have seen this afternoon, God is nigh to. He will fulfil the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. I don't know what your need is this afternoon, but I know this, that God has said he will fulfil the desire of them that fear him, them that fear him enough to obey him. He will fulfil the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. And that word save is sozo in the New Testament means make every whit whole spirit, soul and body. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works.
praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah.